This is a content warning. This episode contains material that is sometimes confronting and disturbing. Sometimes words can cause sadness or distress or trigger traumatic memories for people, particularly survivors of past abuse, violence or childhood trauma. If you do need support, please reach out to Lifeline. Call 13-1114 anytime for confidential telephone crisis support. Today's episode is an interview that is potentially confronting and may make you feel uncomfortable as we discuss child abuse and specifically child sex abuse. And the reason we're doing that is because we want to have an open discussion around protecting children in our care. Uh, Just a little caveat there, this conversation is being had with uh, Christy McVie, who was a police officer working within that sector for 10 years, and she is now the author of Operation Kids Safe, a detective's guide to child abuse prevention, and she's also released an audiobook for Operation Kids Safe as well. Uh, She's the director of Cape AU which is uh, for child abuse prevention and education in Australia. So if this topic for any reason makes you feel uncomfortable or is something that you just simply can't listen to, then this episode may not be for you. But what I will say is that I believe we need to have more conversations like this with people who have worked on the forefront of, you know, child sex abuse and really understand what it is to have worked with kids who have have suffered from this and, and also is coming up with solutions on how we can prevent this happening. And as studio owners, as people who, you know, are teachers and work with young people, we have an obligation a duty of care to protect our kids. And so we're going to talk about how we can do that, how we can help make our businesses a safer place and what to do to safeguard our businesses, but also what to do in situations when we are approached by a student who may be going through some challenges at home. So I would love you to continue this episode with me. Like I said, it is, you know, it, it, it's tough conversation, but I believe it's a conversation that we need to have and we need to have within our industry. So a little bit about Christy. Christy spent 10 years in the police force as a specialist child interviewer and a detective senior constable. When she retired from the force, Christy believed there was a better way to help by taking a proactive approach rather than a reactive approach. She could help prevent child abuse and break the cycle of trauma that victims are so often subjected to. In addition to her experience in the force, Christy has appeared on television and was an online safety specialist. During this role, she presented to schools, students from 3 to 12 about staying safe online, and she's also presented to married parents and teachers during this time. More than just a presenter, Christy is a facilitator driving the message and bringing experts together. She's passionate about keeping kids safe and isn't afraid to keep it real. So there you have it. 
At home, her family includes her 14-year-old daughter, and we, and we chat about that a little bit, a very supportive partner and two dogs. She actually just got a new puppy, so <laughs> she shares that with us as well. Uh, she's passionate about youth mental health and has mentored the Zero Hero Youth Camp. Uh, Christy is excited to embark on her journey of discovery in this new venture of Cape AU. So there you have it, everyone. Let's get into this very important topic with Christy McVeigh. Hey there, I'm Josephine Lancuba, and you're listening to Business Arts and All That Jazz. I've been immersed in the creative business world and performing arts industry for over 20 years. I know from experience that being an artist, a creative, or running a creative business can be a tough gig, but I'm here to tell you it's possible. I went from having zero dollars to my name and living below the poverty line, to then living paycheck to paycheck, to finally living a life of comfort, happiness, passion, and even stability. In this podcast, I peel back the curtain and share with you the ups and downs of my journey. Plus, I tap into the minds of creative industry experts to discover their paths to success. I know you have a spark inside of you, that little voice that tells you to reach for the stars. I want to help you step into your limelight to have the courage to live a life you dream of, a life that you design. So get ready to be entertained and inspired as we talk business, arts, and all that jazz. Hello, hello. We have the amazing Christy McVie on the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much, Josephine. <laughs> uh, now, don't worry, I'm going to bring lots of energy, but we are actually talking about a serious topic today. And um, one that I think is just really important for parents generally, but, but moreover, businesses that are working with kids, right? Mm -hmm. So we have a duty of care by nature when we're working with you know, young people, I suppose. And um, funnily enough, for everyone listening at home, we met in a women's business mixer night online, which is quite we did. <laughs> Well, it was awesome. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. And that's always an interesting way to meet someone. But when you said what you did, I just thought, wow, that's really cool. Um, so yeah, I'd love I'd love for you to share with everyone, you know, a bit of your background and and then we'll sort of get into to where you are yeah. today. But I'd love to know where you started and how you got into you know, creating, you know, Cape AU, which is the Child Abuse Prevention and Education Australia, and also you've become an author of Operation Kids Safe. So we're going to get into that. So how did that all start? Yeah, so uh, I guess what I do now is I'm a child abuse prevention educator and uh, child safety strategist. But I got into that because I was a police officer for 10 years. Um, and whilst I was a police officer, I was a specialist child interviewer for nine years of that career and a child abuse detective for six. So uh, that's how I how I know how important this stuff is because I was on the front line talking to children, talking to families about child sexual abuse and abuse, and I was interviewing children, getting their accounts. That's what a specialist child interviewer does is they get their accounts um, for court or for the investigation. So instead of having a child sit down and, and get a statement from them because uh, we interview children from the age of three to 18. So instead of getting them to write a or getting a statement where technically they can't really sign it anyway, 
we would get their uh, recorded interview so that hopefully uh, they wouldn't have to go before the court or be interviewed in a courtroom so that their interview, their evidence in chief, as it would be called, uh, would be able to go before the court. So I spent, uh, yeah, like nine years doing that job. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was a tough job. And I left um, in January 2020, 10 years and one day after starting in the police in Western Australia. Wow. And that must, like you said, a, a tough job. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't even really imagine it. Um, actually, you know, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm pretty candid about this. You know, I come from a family of domestic violence myself. And, yeah. you know, so I'm, I'm open about that conversation now, but only as an adult. It's really interesting how challenging it is to admit that that's happened in your life. Yeah. What's it like? And, you know, like I said, you mentioned it was tough, but I imagine it was a lot more than that. Like your daily yeah. job is... I, I imagine seeing some pretty horrible things. Yeah, seeing and hearing. I mean, sometimes mm. hearing what a child has had to endure is worse than actually seeing, you know, what someone has had to endure because when it's coming from their their point of view or what they remember and, you know, you're, you know they're crying, they're upset, they're hurt by the fact that someone that they loved and trusted has done something so horrendous to them. But at the end of the day, children just want to be loved and they just want um, to be believed and heard and they want it to stop. And so uh, a lot of the time I spent time when I was interviewing children, um, you know, building up that that safe space and that trust with them and building rapport so that they felt safe in uh, disclosing whatever mm-hmm. it was that they were there to disclose to me. And and then, you know, also building up their belief system in themselves. So at the end of an interview, after they had disclosed what, what had happened, I would then, you know, reconfirm and re-support them through the fact that, you know, it's not okay what what no one's allowed to do any of this stuff to them and, and that they're brave for what they've done. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's not an easy job and it was never going to be. Um, it was even worse because I, I think it well, worse, better, I don't know, uh, because I had a two-year-old daughter when I joined the police and she was three when I became a specialist child interviewer. So I was in the thick of parenting whilst I was going through, you know, helping other children, mm. which put me in a really interesting space and place. And um, I'm grateful for it, very grateful that I know what I know it's helped me parent my own daughter hence why I ended up you know when I left the police I just felt like I hadn't finished you know I left um due to mental health so I had I was diagnosed with PTSD and severe anxiety um on leaving the police and that was just through vicarious trauma you know um I'm sure you know what if you don't know what that is it's basically when you hear and see you know trauma of of other people it actually adds and it be, builds up, builds up, builds up, and, and it's like a pot with its lid on, and then eventually it bubbles over. And, and um, unfortunately, police see a lot more vicarious trauma here, a lot more vicarious trauma than the average person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's the job you sign on for. Uh, you, I, I'm glad that I did it, but um, I, didn't, I wasn't finished. I didn't, yeah. when I left, I, I felt unfinished business, and so... I started writing a book before I left the job, actually, and that's how I ended up writing Operation Kids Safe, a detective's guide to child abuse prevention because I wanted parents to just know what I knew about preventing child sexual abuse and abuse of their children, both 
you know, the statistics are pretty scary, but both um, in the book I, I write about, you know, in-person contact offending, I write about online child exploitation and peer-based abuse, which a lot of parents and families don't understand very well, and and um, and also what to do if if your child is a victim and how to go through that process with them. So that's what the book's about, and that's that's how I um, how I thought I could support parents and and people. What about your organisation? You've come, so you've you've written a book, and then you've got this organisation. What exactly do you do within your company? Like, what does KKU do? Yeah, so it became a uh, when I wrote when I started writing the book, I had no plans. I don't know what I was thinking. Mm. It kind of all just started snowballing and rolling into it, and then I got to a point where I was about to release my book for I've self published, so I you know I wanted um, I wanted to get this book out there. I didn't want anyone to tell me I couldn't do it. You know, I was I wasn't prepared to hear no from anyone. I was like, parents need this. And then when I got to a point where I was ready to release the book, I was like, the book's not enough. So I started Child of um, KPAU, which is Child Abuse Prevention and Education Australia. And so I now do uh, presenting and educating to parents mostly, predominantly, uh, and basically educating them on everything from protective behaviours education, which is how you can teach your own children how to be aware of warning signs and things that they might know, uh, might feel inside themselves when they don't feel safe, uh, to, to, you know, creating a safety team around your children of people that they can trust and go to that will believe them when they come and tell them something, to uh, talking about online child exploitation and, you know, how to keep your kids safe online and what to be aware of and um, everything in between. So, And I do work one-on-one as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Awesome. I mean, this is all really heavy stuff but for a lot of people and can be quite a confronting conversation. Mm-hmm. I feel as though um, uh, the reason as well, I suppose, that I really wanted to speak to you was because I found out recently, and, and it apparently it happened quite a while back, but I found out recently that someone I knew who was a studio owner uh, was arrested for child sex offences within their business and were, you know, sexually abusing young teen boys on site uh, within. That's hard. That's hard. And I knew this person. I didn't know them as a friend, but I knew them professionally. As a business owner, yeah. Correct. Like I'd hired space from them, had many conversations, went into their space. You know, if one of our teachers teachers was running late and we were subleasing, like, you know, we'd be like, oh, hey, can you? Can you look after the kids until our coach gets in? And and now yeah. I'm like, wow, you know. It was risky, wasn't it? And now it's, it's like, risky, wow. Right? Yeah. But, but how do we, Yeah. like, are there any red flags? Like, how could I have ever have known? How could mm-hmm. anyone know? Like, how, what, what, what do we look out for when there we're is, about predators? Yeah, there is red flags. But, you know, in, a, in the situation where you're not in a close proximity with someone, um, it's it makes it ten times harder. But for you know business owners who have you know um, who have teachers or instructors or coaches in their business, you know first of all you need to make sure that they're completely checked out with working with children checks and police clearances. But unfortunately, a lot of people who don't ever get caught for child sexual offences until later in life when you know um, that they 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 were never caught. They never had a record. You know. Um, 
you know, the average person doesn't report child sexual abuse for 24 years as female is the average length of time before someone comes forward and 30 wow. years for men. Mm. So, you know, a lot of people, a lot of children, a lot of families, a lot of people out there are living with the repercussions of child sexual abuse and the trauma and are not thriving because of it. They're just surviving because they've never dealt with it, never talked about it. But in a business sense, I think it's really important that you have a hands-on approach with your coaches and you don't just trust people for the sake of trusting them. Um, you know, there is an increasing trend in female offenders now, um, really scarily. I just was at a, a conference with Task Force Argos from Queensland who um, they're, I don't, if you've never heard of them, they're like the leading in Australia around child exploitation. But you know, and they, they were talking about the increase in child, uh, female child sex, sex offenders, which is really scary. So you can't trust anyone, mm. <laughs> really. I mean, that's what it comes down to is you can't trust anyone. But yeah. but there is trustworthy behaviours and there's trustworthy people. So trustworthy people to me is, for instance, I'll give you a little short um, story about what's happening with my daughter. She's 15 and she's just joined a netball club and a netball team. And I was not comfortable that they were have, uh, that the parents and co kids were having a group chat with parents and kids in the chat. To me, parents and children should not be, or adults and children should not be in group conversations or group chats together. They should be, it should be adults talking to adults, kids talking to kids. Yes, there should be some, you know, monitoring and supervising, but we shouldn't, uh, we're not there to um, be friends with our little students and our people, we're there to be an adult and protect them. So um, I wasn't comfortable and I spoke to my daughter about it and I said, uh, do you feel that you should be in this this group chat? And she said, no, I think that's not right for me to be in a group chat with adults. So and the reasoning behind that is is because uh, it, it opens it up for adults to befriend children and it also opens it up for the fact that there could be inappropriate behaviours going on. And that's um, interesting because studio owners actually and, and, you know, class facilitators often have these group chats and portals. And so, yeah, that, that's a really interesting insight and something to consider um, because, yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that would make me uncomfortable if I think about it. Like I've got an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. If my eight-year-old even was in a group chat with adults, it's kind right. of weird in a way, isn't it? I, I, right, and I and I have seen in my position as a detective, uh, women and men who have taken advantage of children through. And the more access adults have to children, the more chances there are that children can be victims of child sexual abuse or abuse or some sort of online child exploitation. Um, so it's not that I'm saying, hey, you can't trust any parent or any, you know, anyone in the world. I'm saying, how about we reduce the risk? And, and risk to them how about we re reduce the uh, you know the potential for risk to them and um yeah yeah things like that and uh so red flags you did ask the question about red flags some of the red flags that i find um especially with anyone in a sporting group or um so you would have heard of larry nasa mm -hmm. the gymnast the usa gymnast coach who yes unfortunately abused thousands of women and young yes. girls Larry Nasser had someone asked him, um, you know, you're always with the, the kids, you know, you're, 
you're always with the kids more. And if someone ever wants to be with children more than the parents want to be with them, that's a red flag to me. Someone who so wants to be around kids, wants to do things with them, offers to take them places, offers them to, you know, in a non, you know, if you've got a whole group of kids and and it's your child and a couple of others and you're running them to, to their house or something like that, yeah. you know, I'm I'm assuming that everyone's okay. But if you've got someone who um, picks out one child and they're and they're, you know, they're they're treating them a bit differently because they might be special or talented, and they might say that to that child. That's a red flag to me. Um, but that's what Larry Nasser d- did. He he had this access to so many young children, young girls, and boys, and he was able to manipulate situations where he could abuse children in his own home, in his uh, you know, in front of parents because he was grooming the parents as well as the children. Yes, and I've seen that as well um, in a studio situation. It was about a decade ago now, but I'll never forget the story of a dance studio um, in the inner west of Sydney that unfortunately had a similar situation where the um, studio owner was not only grooming the kids but the parents. So favouring the child would mean more accolades, more trophies, more front and centre positioning, um, which was a highlight. And it's not because the parents were bad people. No. They were just thinking, wow, this This person's paying attention to my kid. And um, that's a bit off, but we'll let it slide because they're getting this extra attention. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I had a parent recently come to me. Um, there's been a bit of a controversial. Um, there's an old football coach who has been um, identified as offending against children, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And I had someone come to me and say to me, oh, he actually approached me about my son. And, I, and he was telling the story that he was standing next to him at a fence line saying, oh, you know, whatever number it was, you know, that 15 is really good. Whose son is that? And he said, oh, well, actually, it's my son. And he goes, oh, well, I can give him some private, um, you know, goal-kicking lessons if you want. So, you know, someone who's going to get a child, try and get a child on their own without parent- parental supervision or, you know, some sort of Especially adult supervision. unpaid, like they're not actually upselling yes. you. They're like... I'm happy to volunteer my time. Normally I charge, but for you, it's free. Yeah, because I can help you. I'm going to make you a star. I'm, you know, and they are very good at like, that's the parental, you know, selling to the parent, but to the child, they're like, you know, you're so special. Um, You know, no one understands you like I do. This is a secret between us, you know, so it's really important for studio, studio owners, parents and kids to understand that, you know, it's not okay to be treated, you know, yes, there's certain kids that outshine others. Of course there is in every sport mm-hmm. and everything that do, but they don't get special treatment in in ways which are, you know, individual coaching without parents around, you know, without other children around. That's I'm like, like oh, a, don't worry, a, I'll drive them home on Wednesdays. Oh, or, yeah, because yeah. I know you're busy and that's the thing mm. that predators and people of this type uh, that they, they know that parents are busy. Our, our worlds are so busy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just there's a lot to it. And hopefully down the track in the next few months I'm going to, uh, you know, create a, a course or some sort of package for, for all sorts of sports and organisations that they can, you know, do a checklist. Um, that's one of yeah. the many things that I'm doing for parents and for, for this type. But, 
Yeah, it's there's so it's many needed, things, especially um, in industries like creative arts industries and whatnot, because um, sometimes it can feel quite unregulated. Like, yeah, uh, it, there's there's just it's it's loose, you know. Like, yeah, you're supposed to get a working with children's check, but that's about it. Then what? Um, and then what? Uh, that's the other bit. So you know, it's funny you say that because we get. Um, within my studio business, we do working with children's check for all our teachers, photographers on site, anyone that works with us. But this studio owner, we actually, I've just realized we don't get working with children's checks from the venue hires, the people that Even asking the from. question would be enough to sort of go, I'm onto it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, I've had many discussions with, with, uh, with uh, the, I used to actually work in direct contact with the working with children check um organizers like the the regulators because part of my job during the last few years was I used to interview children investigate the child sexual abuse in um case I've charged the offender and then when someone left court uh, when someone left prison after being sentenced I used to manage child sex offenders so I used to have to keep an eye on them make sure that they were living where they said they were and not being on the internet and all of these things and so I've had all around about, you know, um, experience with all of them. Is that a bit so, icky when you, like? It's icky, yeah, very yeah. icky. As, you know, I'd, people always say, I don't know how you could have done it. But when you're a police officer, you actually learn to talk, to turn off your own um, your own prejudice and your own beliefs and, and keep them outside the, the interview room or the, you know, you just you just get on with the job. Um, yeah, and at the end of the day, it comes down to the why you're doing it. Like, you know, if your why is because I at the end at the end of this, I'm actually protecting the children. So I'm going to do this icky interview. I'm going to do these parts mm. of the job because the end result is I'm protecting a child. You know? Yeah, and don't get me wrong, there's some really creepy humans out around. You know, um, but you know, also for studio owners, I would be really mindful of what social media you're putting on with your children that are in your studios. Mm. I mean, a really, and you know, a really icky thing that I heard on the last week again at this conference is that we have more people um, following, following people who produce content for, with children in it. So mum, uh, mum ran accounts where they're promoting their children and, um, you know, studios and dancers and kids who want to be up-and-coming actors, these these really icky people are following them and using their photos as material for their own self-pleasure. And mm-hmm. so if you've got children in your studio and they're, you know, and unfortunately there's a certain amount of self, uh, you have to promote yourself, right? You have to yeah. social media. But be really mindful of your social media uh you know what angles you're using and you know and being really careful of who you're actually promoting on your social media if there's children involved I would love to ask you about costuming because this is often something that comes up in the groups um industry groups on like Facebook and you know platforms and things like that where uh teachers and studio owners have conversations so um are you do you know what an Estedford is like a, a yeah. dance competition for example yeah um so sometimes we well not sometimes quite often we see people complaining about the standard of sex like you know sexually exposed over sexualized 
um, yeah. overly sexualized costuming. So, yeah. And 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 some people are like we're just having fun. It's funky. It's cool. The kids love it. They feel great. And then other people will say, well, do they really need to be in a like, yeah next a to nothing underwear and a, a, a crop top at eight years old? Yeah. And it's it's you know. It, it's a debate. What's your thoughts on that sort of costuming when it comes to that that the industry and and having more what some people deem as sexualized costuming? Well, just know that there's pedophiles, people out there who are saving those photos and they're using them for mm-hmm. their own self-pleasure and gratification. And that is no word of a lie. So, if you put if you you've got this is the that's their they love children who are half dressed and half naked. They 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 are attracted to children. They love it, and I, I don't want to creep everyone out who's listening to this podcast. But you just have to realize that the depth and depravity that these people have, and they don't care if they're they they're not looking. And the sad thing was, as I learned on the last week, is they're not always looking for. Um, what we consider child exploitation material or kid porn, which is the old um, way of explaining it. They don't care if they're clothed or not clothed. They just want pictures of children that are provocative and excite them. And they are more likely to collect non-nude pictures of children. I just find it though, like, are we uh, not victim blaming or whatever, but like, shouldn't people just be allowed to wear what they wear? And, and I know. When, does it, when do we pass the buck? Like, when do we say, hey, we sh- our kids should be able to wear whatever they want and they not should, but they are sexualized? Like, what's your, your take? I agree. And I've got a 15 year old who says exactly the same thing, right? Mm. She says to me, Mum, you know, it's not up to me that, you know, I, I've just, her, her words, they're just boobs. Like, why are people so interested in boobs? Like, why do they look at me or why do they look at girls like that or boys or whatever? It's not about the fact that, you know, you're right, but we're putting our whole lives online and we're, we're ultimately down the track, um, the potential for children to, and I don't know if you follow any of the old social media influencers and YouTube stars and stuff like that, they're suing they're now suing their, their their parents and the producers of certain shows from 10 years ago where YouTube they were YouTube stars growing up and they were over-sexualized during these these years in on their shows and programs and now they're suing because they were basically you know and then we're getting off topic but basically um you know made to be sexualized and shown as sexual beings mm. there's a it's a real hard thing dancing and gymnastics and those sorts of things or you know they, you know, obviously they've always had leotards. They've always had, you know, tighter fitting clothes because that's what's necessary. But when we put it online and we share it online, we're exposing your children to the risk of being exploited by someone who does not have their best interests at heart. Mm, and then, take, yeah. yeah, and then on top of that is if you tag any of those children, if they've got their own Instagram accounts or their own Facebook or their own whatever, if you tag them in it, then they have the these people, these predators have the opportunity to now then follow those children and also learn where they live, who's who's their friends, you know. And if a child isn't safe or their parents aren't helping keep them safe online, which a lot of parents don't know how to, or they're they're overwhelmed with it, then we're exposing children to that. So it's just all things to think about. It's yeah. it's I'm not saying don't do, do, don't. 
but be mindful. Yeah, and um, and I actually don't tag. I purposely have never tagged minors on our social media, Good even plan. if it's just them in a t-shirt and tracksuit pants. We don't Good plan. tag kids because it's and they're not right. Sign a media release saying that we're allowed to use their images for online or whatever. But um, I just don't tag their accounts. I feel like I don't want people to be able to search them and find them. Uh, I felt that that was inappropriate. So I'm glad that you've 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 made that really clear for, for everyone listening, and that that's yeah. a really valuable point. Are you a studio owner who has ever thought or dreamt about providing professional opportunities for your students in film, television, theatre, and commercial? then I have the solution for you. And it's easier than you think with my signature course, Talent Manager Bootcamp. This course is designed to take you from studio owner to talent manager in eight weeks by providing you with the industry insights and theoretical and practical knowledge you need to create your own in-house talent management service so you can provide these amazing opportunities for your students on screen and on stage. The best part is that this service can be 100% inclusive because you don't need experience to have commercial work. You just need a bit of confidence and the desire to do it. Of course, then it leads into those bigger roles and bigger opportunities where those extra skills are needed. But who better to know the skills of your students and their potential than you? Because you've nurtured them. You've brought them up from baby beginnings through to their older yonder years and you know the talent that they have within them and who better to unlock that potential than you. You are the best talent manager that they could ever have. You just don't know it yet. So why not jump on my wait list for Talent Manager Bootcamp? Doors are opening at the end of May 2023. Jump on the wait list now. That's josephinelanecuba.com forward slash TMB and the link is in the show notes. You can find out more information there as well on the page and hopefully I'll see you on the wait list. My wait list people receive benefits and early access. So if you want to be on that list and not miss that announcement and also get those goodies and benefits, jump on now, click the link and see you there. That's Talent Manager Bootcamp. Bye. I'd love to ask you the difference between a working with children's check and a police check. Um, so for everyone listening, I don't know if, if you're required to in your state, but you know, um, maybe if you can just explain that, because in New South Wales, Australia, we are required to have a working with children's check, which lasts for three years. And it basically mm. shows that, you know, you haven't had any offences um, against children. And if you have, well, basically, we can't hire you. Um, yeah. So what's the difference between a police check? Uh, police clearance is basically it will give you and they're not necessary in a lot of spaces anymore you don't actually have to you know once upon a time my husband who worked in the mining industry had to have a police clearance now they don't have any but in the case of when I when I mentor on a camp for youth mental health I have to have both and, and so working with children's check exactly how he explained you've had no offenses or you've never been charged with an offense that um, against children um, but a police clearance is any offences. So it would show if you'd been charged with stealing, it would show if you've been, you know, done for anything, including that. So um, police clearances 
Uh, most all your offenses will show up if you've ever been charged with anything. Can you actually uh, uh, make someone do a police clearance, regardless? I of think you? there's. I think it depends on the industry, but mm, okay. I, I think if you know, I I have to have a police clearance and a working with children check every time I go on camp with this um, youth mental health camp um, as a mentor, and it's a volunteer position. Um, so you know, there must be some regulatory bodies that say, yep, because you're working with children or whatever. Uh, like I said, that the working with children's check has its uh, disadvantages and its problems because if you've never been charged with an offence but yet you're still uh, abusing children that haven't been charged um, or haven't been um, reported, then it's it's never going to show up on that, is yeah. it? And and like um like you mentioned before, a lot of people don't come forward for many many years. Even yep. with the incident um, of the person that I unfortunately knew, um, apparently once some one person complained yeah. and, and made the allegations, uh, others came out of the woodwork from like a decade ago. Yeah, it opens the floodgates because everyone feels brave, right? Mm -hmm. So everyone feels brave to talk because someone else has come forward. And generally what happens is, and I've done many investigations like this, once you start digging as a a detective and you start talking to witnesses and talking to friends and you're talking to family members, you realise there's much more. And uh, I read a statistic last week where it was like most child sex offenders who, you know, have had a prolific career I mean, you know, have, you know, between 10 and 150 victims. There's just, it's never just one. Mm. And that's the thing that child um, abuse victims and survivors don't realise when it's just them. They think it's just them and that no one else is going to know what they're going through. But unfortunately, in most cases, it's never just them. It's, mm. it's you know. Yeah, that's 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 sad, isn't it? It's terrible. I mean, you know, what about in relation to our duty of care as business owners when working with children? Um, what if we come across a student who uh, confides in us and yeah. tells us about something? Because what can happen in a studio environment is it can become quite a connected family, a, a community of people, and the teachers actually become trusted adults yeah. in a child's life. So what what should we do as educators, as teachers, if a child comes to us and, and tells us there's an abusive situation at home? Are we are we like obliged to to you know tell the police or or what is our obligation and what should we do? Yeah, well, first of all, if you create that kind of environment where children feel safe in your in your company, in your in your business, well hurrah to you because a lot of children, um, you know, 90%, which is actually about 95%, but 90% of all child sexual abuse is done by someone known to the child. Um, I think the latest statistics was it was about uh, 2% to 5, 2 to 5% was someone uh, in a sporting or some sort of um, community group that the child was involved in. So, you know, it's still the statistics are, you know, there should be no child abuse. But if you can create that safe space because they might be getting abused at home mm. or at school, uh, peer-based abuse accounts for or child-on-child abuse accounts for about 50% of all child sexual abuse. Um, so, again, that's another thing to watch out for But with if you've got, you know, children of all ages in your studio, you could have older children praying and abusing younger children in your studio. Mm. 
So, so that's so what should we do? Like, do we call them what should? Yeah. So parents? first of all, tell your tell the child, thank you for telling me. Thank you for trusting me. Um, you know, I believe you. And then you're going to tell them, look, um, I we need to make sure that this isn't happening anymore to you. And we need to, first of all, if it's a parent, I wouldn't be going straight to the parent. I would be going to police. Um, there's definitely, uh, you know, having a phone call to your local police station or your, your local detective's office or something like that. Um, and, or, you know, if it's someone that, that is known to them, maybe in their school group, you know, telling a police, uh, telling a parent. But, you know, sometimes the reason why they come to you, and I talk about persistence with some children that I talk to about this stuff, is that they've come to you because they might have tried to tell a parent or a teacher or someone else in their network and they haven't been believed or they've been fobbed off or, you know. So it's really important that we take a stance and we tell them we're there to support them through reporting and telling someone and helping make it sure it doesn't happen anymore and that it's not okay that it's happening to them what if they say i don't please don't tell anyone we, we i think i think as a so i'm not 100 sure and i we can definitely investigate this so you can put it somewhere or maybe put it in the yeah. show notes but you know for most teachers um and people involved with children there's a mandatory reporting obligation so for instance as a police officer a doctor nurse childcare worker um there's a reporting obligation you have to report otherwise you can go to jail uh when it comes to child sexual abuse i'm not 100% sure of your reporting obligations but that's something we can definitely follow up and put in the show notes so that people can be aware of it and maybe put a link to that yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. And yeah, we'd love that. Thank you. Um, look, I, I know that safeguarding every workspace is not always totally 100% possible, but we can only do our best. I mean, in our studio, we have a buddy system for the toilet and it doesn't matter how old you Perfect. are. It doesn't matter how old you are. And this is our rule. It doesn't matter if you're 15 or five. If you need to go to the bathroom because it's the, the it's down the hallway down the yeah. end of the studio and it's got street access. I mean, literally anyone can walk oh, the street, right? Fair enough. Just the way it is. Um, and it's a busy road and all the bits, you know, one of our main um, city studios. And so we have a buddy system where they must take a friend and we explain that and we say, yep, you have to take a friend. And it's just in case. I mean, nothing's ever really happened except one kid accidentally locked herself in the bathroom and the kid came running and saying, she locked herself in the bathroom, will you help getting her out? <laughs> well, like, at least she was locked away. System, right? Yeah. Um, we Well, we have actually had many years ago now, geez, many years ago, we did have one incident where one young girl was um, constantly being approached by an old man out the front and he'd wait mm. for her every Saturday at the same time he knew when she'd arrive. And then he started That's a bit creepy. the window and started like, you know, watching, staring, but staring. And um, so we That's very creepy. told the mother, called the police, let them know the incident. There wasn't much they could do about it, but at least we knew it was happening. Mm -hmm. um, and again, this was like a decade ago, but I just really remember that because it was creepy and it was off and you just knew it wasn't right. Um, but yeah, buddy systems are uh, something that we do. Like I said, we do working with children's checks with all of our team and staff. Um, we don't let parents backstage at concerts. Yep. So it's like, Perfect. no, team only. Um, even sometimes parents sneak in the back and we, and we kindly say, I'm really sorry, but this is a parent-free zone. 
only uh, registered staff and hired team are allowed backstage. Yeah. So we do things like that. Um, is there any advice you'd give to studio owners looking to safeguard their studios? Is there anything extra that we can be doing? I mean, I would imagine studios are like little families, yeah? So mm-hmm. I would be really, you know, what's it going to hurt if you um, download or or print out some of the, like, body safety uh, you know, posters and putting them in the toilet or putting them on a wall that, you know, on a notice board or making a peer support person so that someone, so if the children are feeling unsafe or they're feeling like they need to talk to someone, having a peer support person that's identified, it could be it could be one of the maybe more junior but um, senior staff. It could be someone who's really passionate about child, uh, you know, abuse prevention and child psycho, you know, their psychology and their mental health. It could be someone in your studio. It doesn't have to be the owner. And actually, I don't recommend it being the owner. I think you need to keep that sort of separate if you've got the the room for staff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it could be someone who says, "Hey, we we need a peer support officer so that if any children ever have any problems." that they feel safe enough to come and talk about it and, you know, and maybe just give them that little bit and and talk about some some of these topics, you know. It's not appropriate for anyone to, um, you know, guys, we've got to have appropriate behaviours. I don't know if, you know, protective behaviours, education, you know, uh, touching base on this, so those sorts of things. But I think a peer support, um, like a little peer support person who's uh, safe and enthusiastic person in the in the studio would be great yeah I really love the idea of kids having someone that they can just you know unload on sometimes Mm. um these communities and these and I I was one of those children I know you mentioned about your family life um when you were a kid but I got kicked out of home at 15 and I had a pretty tough childhood as well and I didn't have anyone. I had no one to talk to when I was going through stuff. And I know that mm. that's a lot um, for some people to deal with, but I, you know, the for, the few people that stood out for me in my childhood were the ones I used to go and hang with people's mums. I don't know about you, but because my home life was so crap and I was just desperate for someone to love me, I used to go and spend time when I went on sleepovers and talk to their mum. Like their mums remember me because I used to spend my time, you know, talking to mums and just being with mums. And, you know, and one of my teachers that was I was growing up with, you know, she was took me under her wing when I got kicked out of home. So I think there's something to be said about having those. And Maggie Dent says they call them lighthouse people. They're the people who just, you know, make you feel so warm and comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so important, isn't it? Um, I also really love um, some of the topics that y- you talk about, you know, in your book, Operation Kids Save, um, a detective's guide, if I've got that right, a detective's guide yeah. to child abuse prevention, um, which has also just been released as an audio book, everyone. It has, um, thank you. <laughs> but I, one of the topics that you, you talk about is consent. Okay. Yes. Um, now, when it comes to, you know, dance and movement, teachers mm. need to sometimes manoeuvre the body and yep. touch and blah, blah, blah. So how do we navigate consent in an instructional class environment? Yeah, that's, that's a great question and I think it's a really good way to demonstrate to kids to ask for consent. But definitely asking, similar to when you go to a doctor or a physio or someone, someone who's in a professional capacity, first of all, always be com- professional but, you know, Hi, 
hi, Christy, is it okay if I type, if I move your arm where I need it to be? Just, and waiting for them to say yes or no. I just need to move your arm. Is it okay? I want to show you where your leg's meant to go. Can you just type, can I, you know, move your leg where I need it to be? Hmm. You know, just asking and explaining what you're going to do gives them an opportunity to understand that, you know, there was consent given and, or, and, you know, maybe that's a, like a conversation that you have before the class. Hey, guys, if I, you know, we're going to just have a quick talk about consent and in our space of working together, you know, sometimes I'm going to have to move your arm, leg, touch you here, there or anywhere. If you ever don't feel comfortable and don't want me to do that, you need to, t- you know, feel free to tell me. Hmm. And and But I think just telling them where you're going to move them or what you're going to do with them without, you know, it's definitely going to give them that confidence in you and you're going to be confident that you haven't done anything wrong with your your students. Yes, totally. I love that. And I think um, asking for consent for touch and movement is definitely something that we are aware of in our studio, but uh, it wasn't really something we did, you know, a decade ago. And I think it is something that we do now uh, and it is something that should be adapted into every class or you know sporting environment where you do you know maneuver people uh but it it can be as simple as like you just said um hey christy i just i just would love to see your shoulders roll back do you mind if i just pop my hand on your shoulder to give you some good placement done exactly that's and then they feel safe it's all good it's no big deal and we move on yeah and you've got clear you've got clear boundaries there as well right so Mm. the other thing is is if you're a passionate person about these subjects and I think people are coming out of their shells and actually getting involved in these conversations around consent you could always say to your students hey guys it's never and you know depending on age stage whatever it's never okay if someone touches you without your consent so I'm always going to ask for consent before I touch or move or place you somewhere. Okay. So, and if you're ever not okay with it, just let me know. And, yeah. um, you know, you're also reiterating this, the fact that they can say no, because part of the consent conversation is respecting people's no's and respecting people's boundaries. Yeah. And that's something we forget as well. Yeah, I love that. That's a really good one um, that I think we can all definitely learn from. <laughs> um so, you know, we've talked about some really confronting issues, some things mm-hmm. that definitely make people feel potentially uncomfortable. Um, I would love to know, like, how that's impacted people in your compu- community when you have these conversations. How mm-hmm. is it received? I think I'm such a bulldozer that people can't get away from me. No. <laughs> No, um, how's it received? Some people are in like, like they lean in and they want to know more, especially those protective parents, those those mm-hmm. vulnerable people out there that all ha- all feel that their children might be a vulnerable child. They lean in and they're like, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. There is always parents who feel uncomfortable with this conversation and people who feel very uncomfortable with this conversation. And I uh, challenge you to get uncomfortable because this conversation isn't going away. It's getting, you know, you just look back 10 years and we didn't talk about this stuff like we do today. Mm. It was hidden in the dark. People people can abuse people, other people, children, who, that's what we're talking about here. They can abuse children because we don't talk about it because they're hiding away behind the shame and the blame and the guilt and the victim shaming and the fi- victim blaming. 
that's why they've been able to get away with it that's why they continue to get away with it so get uncomfortable and get because these conversations aren't going anywhere no and when you're working in a space like a studio environment where you're predominantly servicing young people and children then we have to have these uncomfortable conversations it's our yeah. care, isn't it? It is, it is. And you you know, if you can't have the like if you're working with children and you and you've got young people in your studio and you don't aren't willing to have these discussions and, and get to know things like body um protective behaviors, consent, you know, what the what your duty of care is and whether, you know, discuss working with children. You're just opening opening yourself up to a massive potential lawsuit, a massive problem down the track. Uh, you know, children in your studio, your whole income could go if someone gets abused in your studio. And not to mention that it would just be really awful if that ever happened. It would be horrendously awful and it's horrendously yeah. awful for the victims and the yeah, survivors. Exactly. Um, but, you know, that's if you're a studio owner, that's your, that's your responsibility. Yeah. Well, we're coming to the tail end of this interview. Um, I'd love to know, as I always ask all of my guests, uh, who or what inspires you? Oh, you just made me think very hard then. Um, my daughter, uh, I will say that the moment she was born, uh, she changed my whole trajectory. Uh, mm. Up until she was born, I had no idea who I was, what I was doing with my life. And then the moment she came, you know, 10 days early, you know, wanted to be telling me what to do from the moment she was born, uh, she changed my whole trajectory because uh, I had never considered becoming a police officer until the moment she was there. Like I, I didn't even think about joining until she was nine months old. I got into the police when she was two. So she inspires me. As much as dealing with 15-year-olds uh, is <laughs> crazy. Well, I'm not uh, there yet. I'm not there. You're not there yet. Oh, good luck. <laughs> good luck. But, um, you know, she still inspires me every day and um, and I'm so grateful that I know what I know and knew what I knew when she was young so that I could protect her against potential abuse. But, yeah, she's my inspiration. Yeah, that's beautiful. And uh, and obviously you're also a puppy mum. You told me before we hit record <laughs> a new puppy mum. So you know maybe inspiration will come there as well. But oh, I- he's he's part of my plan because my daughter, yeah. You know, anyone who has teenagers, they already start to go see you later. Like I don't need you anymore, and my heart's <laughs> been broken. So I thought, fun. I'm getting a dog. <laughs> yeah, love that. What sort of puppy did you get? Oh, a miniature dachshund. Oh, nice. <laughs> All right, so what's next for Christy? What's what's coming up for you? So what's coming up for me is courses for parents, for business owners, associations. Uh, I'm on this new uh, path to create as many resources for families, parents, um, business owners, anyone who needs it to be able to safeguard children and safeguard um, their families and their communities and just become more abuse-aware. So that's what's next. Yeah, Plus, amazing. who knows? Who knows? The world is my that's awesome. Right. That's right. And uh, if people want to find your book, Operation Kids Safe, A, Detective, a Detective's Guide to Child Abuse <laughs> Prevention, or they want to grab your audio book or they want to find you online, I mean, where can we send them? Yeah, so I'm all over every social. Um <laughs> Um, under so Christy can, McVie or, or something? Yeah, else. both. So I'm under Christy McVie author in on um, Instagram. 
or Kate underscore AU on Instagram. Otherwise, you can grab my book on Amazon. It's also available as audiobook on Spotify. There's a whole heap of um, places you can get it. Just Google Operation KidSafe. Uh, and or you can buy a signed copy from my website at www.cape-au.com. Love it. And we'll pop some um, links in the show notes for everyone listening as well so that you can grab a copy and, uh, yeah, get into it because <laughs> this is a conversation for everyone. And, you know. Thank you for having that conversation why not, with me. Why not open our eyes more to it and, uh start having this conversation more. So thank you so much, Christy. I really appreciate your time and thank you for coming on in the evening. And Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Love it. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. If you enjoyed listening and would like to hear more, be sure to click subscribe. If you're really feeling the love, share us with your friends. To work with me or to simply find out more about the magic of creativity, arts and business, head to my website, josephinelancuba.com. And you can find me on socials. I also have a book that I've co-written with a bunch of amazing entrepreneurial women called The Women Changing the World. And you can grab a copy of that at josephinelancuba.com forward slash books. Thanks for listening.